Welcome to City on a Hill's podcast. This week's podcast can be downloaded on iTunes or our media library at chccny.com. Just standing up there, Joe, you know, just looking around in this room. My heart's just warm looking at so many of your faces year after year after year. Relationships that we have. And I'm just so happy to see so many of you this morning. Good to be here. Another day, we all get out of bed, and we're all well enough to get here this morning, right? Aren't we all grateful? Amen. Amen. A few announcements that are pretty important. First of all, I want you to just, I'm telling you this in advance so you mark your calendar. October 8th, we're having a church picnic on the grounds that Pastor Joe just mentioned. These beautiful grounds, we had it last year, and it was a lot of fun. And uh, so mark your calendar, October 8th. Um, Let's see. This Wednesday, you know, is Hill Houses. Uh, If you have not signed up, you want to be in a Hill House, then uh, Joanne, why don't you raise your hand? You can see Joanne this morning. Are there papers out there? Okay, papers out there for you to just fill out, and we'd love to put you in a Hill House. One of the things we're going to do a little differently this Wednesday, uh, just it's occurred to Joe and I and to James as we've been talking, um, it seems like a lot of people are being uh, physically, uh, having physical struggles in their body. And... um, had a chance to speak to some people from other churches, actually, and even other states I've been talking to, some pastors outside our immediate area. And it seems that that's not just us. It seems like there's a lot of um, sickness and big things kind of hitting people. And um, so we, we decided that this Wednesday, um, we'll probably have a short time, a few questions that will follow Pastor James's message this morning. But we're calling for the church to fast and pray on Wednesday. However God leads you to fast. And that you'll share the table together at your hill house. Pray for one another. Pray for physical healing for bodies. uh, And to pray for um, your family members, perhaps, that need healing. You know, it's so important to be in a hill house. It's so important to be connected. um, Where people know your name. uh, And people know what you're going through. And they they know you. It's not just a Sunday where you're... You know, we love to be together, but we don't get a chance to really talk on Sundays, really. We're not really sharing our lives. And that's why Hill Houses are so important. And we would love to see every one of you in one. So come to your Hill House Wednesday. Um, Hill House leaders, we're going to be praying for healing, as I said. So come in faith that we're going to be standing together and believe. How many of you feel like you'd like to see God come in in that way and need, need some, you know, some people and yourself need some healing? Amen. Amen. So that's great. So that's this Wednesday. Uh, Let's see. On the 27th, Dan and Karen Nolan have again so graciously offered their home to us for our water baptism service. That's on the 27th um, of August. And uh, Naeem is going to meet. Naeem's got his hand raised. He's going to meet with people on the 13th and the 20th at 9 o'clock in one of the uh, daycare rooms to talk to you about what water baptism is. And one of the ways that, you know, I like to say it is the cross is God's way of speaking to mankind and water baptism is the way we respond to him. Water baptism is when you put your jersey on and say, I want to be on that team. It's where you identify with the cross and you identify with him and what he did. So um, the 13th and the 20th at 9 o'clock, Come on out, and Naeem's going to meet with you and tell you more about it. You can ask all your questions, even if you're just, you know, brand new to the idea and uh, it's foreign to you. Just come. Ask questions. 
we, we'd love to have you. Um, let's see, before I have Jen come up and talk to us about VBS, I want to also ask you to mark again on your calendar very important date, August 20th. I hope those of you that were here last week have marked it. August 20th is the day where I think I, I mentioned to you last week that as a church, we're joining with a group called Credo. And Credo is a non-denominational group um, that is particularly for addictions and particularly for drug and alcohol. And I'm sure if we took the time this morning to go around this room, I'm sure every one of us in this room knows someone, maybe personally is involved, is struggling with an addiction in that area, or knows someone in your family or among your friends that is really in trouble. And we know that Jesus came to give us life and that his redemption covers all of our lives. And the devil we know comes to steal that life. And so I'm very, very excited. As I told some of you, I've waited a very, very long time to feel a connection to how to set up a group for addictions. You pick up the newspaper. Uh, Probably everybody in this room knows somebody who's already died from from one of those addictions. As we talked about this morning, I think John mentioned, we've got to get outside these walls. Our job, with all the confusion that we see in the world, listen, church, our job isn't to straighten out Washington. Our job is to take the gospel and preach it to the whole world. Our job is to bring his word to other people. They're, they're out there literally dying to hear from us. Michelle uh, Fedro and I got a chance to go to a meeting this week, um, a credo meeting. It was an open meeting where people just gave their testimonies. Credo is, is AA, but it's Christ-centered. Uh, I don't know if many of you are AA members in this group, but you know some places today, even in AA groups, you can mention a higher power, but you can't mention Christ. And how many notice you just can't t- mention his name too many places in America anymore without people getting pretty upset? So what's wonderful about Credo is it's totally, completely Christ-centered. And it was just amazing as we listened. Michelle herself gave a testimony, and um, you're going to hear her again on the 20th. And we heard some other others give testimonies, and it was so refreshing to go into that room. There's no walls. There's no... Nobody's trying to be anything. It's just okay to be who you are, to be open and vulnerable and honest with one another. And it was really, really amazing to be to be there. So, again, it's August 20th. You know somebody who needs to be here on the 20th. It may be you too, but aside from you, you know someone. I, I was talking to some people. I, I'm in a diner. Joe and I visit a diner a lot, and I know some waiter who I know is struggling. And I'm praying that he gets here on the 20th. Who do you know in your life? Pray for them to get them here the 20th. I believe, uh, I think it's going to be an amazing, amazing meeting. Okay, August 20th. Put that on your calendar, please. Great. Well, it's good to be back. Uh, I've been away for a couple of weeks, so I feel like, you know, when you go away and then you come back, it's almost as if you've never preached before. Pastor Linda, you can relate to that, right? You jump back in. Some of you are looking at me. Yeah, I guess you're like, I guess like just give me a message, man. Give me something good. Give me some fuel for the rest of the week. Megan, you killed that song this morning. We're just going to have that little conversation, right? I, I was going to get up and sing oceans, but I would sink, right? There's no way I could sing like that. That was beautiful. Really beautiful. Well, we, uh, we have two one part they're not, they're not, it's not a series. I have just have two one part standalone messages this week and next week. 
Uh, many of you have asked, when is David? David is starting the first week of the NFL football season. No joke. It just kind of worked. I looked at it uh, this week and I said, oh my gosh, that's, they're, they're colliding together. So we are literally, we're going to OD on David. It's going to be our fall series. So that'll be uh, the second week of September, and that will be for much of the fall. We are going to look at the life of David. If you think you like the life of Jacob, just get ready. I had a few weeks, and even though I'm preparing for what I'm doing now and preparing for what I'm doing at the end, I got something really cool, a little mini-series at the end of August. But David is going to be, I mean, I was getting in trouble literally in the second week of vacation. I had my noise cancellation headphones on, and there were everyone, you know, it's chaos, you know, with the whole family and, and whatever. But my mom, Pastor Linda, times is like, stop, like, what are you doing? Like, and I'm like, I can't help it. I'm just so into this. My brother was like, what are you doing? But so into the life of David, but we're not there yet. So to give you a little heads up as to where we're going. Well, the title of today's sermon is, here's the story. How many of you have heard the saying before though? The title is, here's the story. How many of you have heard the saying, there's more to the story, yeah. right? Isn't there always more to a story? Right? Some people tell a story and you don't want to hear more about the story. They just go on, they draw on and on and on. Megan and I were with good friends that they're not Christians. And, and I love this guy. He's the greatest. But he has a uh, proclivity to tell stories and talk and go on and on and on. Even his wife is behind him and she rolls his eyes. When are you gonna, when's this story going to be over? Well, tell your neighbor, I don't care which one you pick, there is more to the story. Right? Tell them. There's more to the story. People ask you, how was your vacation since we went? I, that's all I asked you to say. I didn't ask you to, that's it. One thing. Not two things, just one. Right? It's funny. People say, how was your vacation? Right? It's the summertime. Many of you, you get away, you get a little respite. People are asking, how was your vacation? You say maybe a little bit. I know for us, the second week especially. Right? I say, yeah, the vacation was good, but there's always these little stories and things that happen. And then those stories lead into other stories. I know for the second week, a little more memorable just because of the house we were in. We were in a nice house, but there was like a black mold issue or something. And, and my brother, right, was literally at the end of the week, he was like sleeping outside on like the screened in porch area. He's sleeping out there. My nephew, everybody's sleeping in this one room. It became like this running joke, you know, things. And, and some of you, I'm sure you've had vacations and things like that. And one story leads to the next story. There's always more to the story. Well, we're going to be in a story today that I don't, how many of you have heard of the Shunammite woman? You're, you've been around church for any period of time. This could have been, I was like, do I hold this off and make this a Mother's Day message? Can I, get, can I tell you this too? This has never happened to me before. I wrote one sermon to preach for, the, for this week. And then I was done and I wrote the sermon I thought I was going to preach next week. And I had two sermons there. And then I went to Pastor Linda and I'm talking to my wife. In this, and I said, which sermon should I preach? I don't really know. And I don't really, I'm trying to feel what God's really saying. Which sermon am I supposed to preach right now? It's never happened before. I've never asked them. I had these two, they're, they're done. And then it was kind of like my, my, my mom was like, choose wisely, right? Yesterday telling me, and, but you lost. I don't know. This is this, this, I don't, listen, I just tried to follow. I tried to, I may get in trouble for that later, but that's okay. Well, we're going to be in 2 Kings chapter 8. Now listen, this is a church. If you, I asked you, who's the Shunammite woman? You're like, Shunammite woman? I don't even, what does that mean? All right. This is a church. If you don't know who the Shunammite woman is, you're in the right place. Okay. If you don't know where the book of 2 Kings is in the Bible, you're in the right place. 
If you're at the book of Revelation, the end of the Bible, you're in the wrong place, okay? It's in the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, right? And then you go Joshua, Judges, and what's after that? First Samuel, Second Samuel, and then you get to First Kings, Second Kings. We're going to be in Second Kings. We're going to be in chapter 4 today. Can I start by reading this? Yeah, I hope you get this. This is kind of a simple message. I could sit here and camp out at certain portions of this. I'm going to try not to. But uh, by the end, there's some really cool stuff. One of those sermons, if you stay with it, by the end, one of those, ah, like, wow, that's a really great story. All right, how, so how many of you have heard sermons on this story before? You've been in a church, you've heard a sermon on this story. You have, Steve? Anybody else, you've heard a sermon on it? Chris, you've heard a sermon over the years? I'd hope so. You've been around, right? You've been listening to... How many sermons do you think you listen to, Chris? How many? Maybe three or four thousand? Oh, oh I, I'm talking about in general. How many sermons have you listened? you ever sit there and think about how many sermons you've listened to? Do you ever think about that sometimes? Yeah. Listen to a lot of sermons, right? You've delivered a lot of sermons, but you've listened to a lot. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, we're going to pick up. We're going to start in verse number eight. We're just going to go to verse 10 right now as we start the story. All right. Here we go. Now, it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem where there was a notable woman. And she persuaded him to eat some food. So it was, as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. And she said to her husband, look now, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Please, let us make a small upper room on the wall and let us put a bed for him there and a table and a chair and a lampstand. So it will be whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. And as I said to you, and that there's always more to the story, I'm stopping at this point in the story. If you, how many of you have kids, you're a parent, right? Don't you know, right? Well, let me even, I'll, I won't even start there. I'll start as a, I'm a teacher, so I teach high school kids too. I teach here, and it's funny. In a high school setting, sometimes you can hear a story from one kid and they're so sincere about their side of the story and you believe their side of the story and then you talk to somebody else that is part of the story and you're like, wait a second, this, there's more to this story I didn't know about. Or you sit with a couple and you hear you know, one person talk about their side of a story and then you sit with the spouse and you hear a totally different story. Pastor, Pastor Linda, amen to that, right? You're the queen of counseling, Pastor Joe, right? You've heard a lot of, you hear these stories, right? Well, even if you're not then parenting, and this was everybody that has kids can relate to this, right? What do your kids say? They come in, Jameson did this pretty recently where he came in and said, Nolan hit him. If you don't know, Jameson's my eight-year-old, Nolan's my three-year-old. So the eight-year-old is complaining and he comes in, gives no background to the story. It's just that Nolan hit me. I said, no one out of nowhere just came up to you and hit you. No one was playing with his shapes. He's playing with his numbers. I really highly doubt that Nolan just walked up to you and hit you out of nowhere unprovoked. Well, I was kind of playing, you know, and never, right? And what he does is, and you know with your own kids, and we call him affectionately, he came up with this term head, so he calls Nolan head, and he takes his hand and he just pats it on his head, and Nolan was upset, and he was kind of done, and he did what he should have done a while ago, and he took his hand, and he kind of hit him, like, get out of my way, get out of my grill, and the older one didn't like it. But there was more to the story. Poppy, grandpa, just said, all right. <laughs> 
There's always more to the story. But we live in a world, friends, listen to me. We live in a world that is more concerned with Snapchats than they are stories. And some of you are going, I don't even know what Snapchat is. You don't just learn about the Bible in here. You learn about culture. How many of you know at the end of the school year, kids are crazy. I have seniors. Kids I've had for two years. And they come in, Mr. Lecce, Mr. Lecce, we have to do a Snap story. What the heck is a snap story, right? What are we, what are you talking about? It's a 10 second story. They take the, give me my phone. They take out their, I should do a snap right now. Yeah. No, I don't want your phone. You have, you have, Megan has Snapchat on her phone. Don't judge her. Okay. So there it is, right? And the kids come in and they, they're making these little stories, these 10 second stories that they disappear at the end of the 10 seconds. How many of you are like, I, I, I never heard of this before. Some of you are like, pretty, pretty cool, right? Pretty neat. But there's more to this. Those are not real stories. Those are just little snapshots. Those are scenes to something else. We have become a people, a culture that is so concerned with that, whether it's Instagram, whether it's Facebook, Snapchat. Do not confuse a scene with a story. And I'm here to tell you this morning, sometimes people will walk into your life and you'll be in a particular scene of your life and people will say, I know your story. And I would say, don't judge me by the scene that I'm at in my story because there is an author of the story, of my story, of my little story, who knows what he's doing. And as we take our little story, I'm just starting to preach already. As we take our little story and we absorb it into his story, it becomes his History. History. I had some weeks off. Watch out. Ready to go. Some of you aren't ready to go. I see your faces. You're not. I'm ready. I'm just going to keep bringing it until you wake up. A lot of you aren't. Don't get upset, okay? Don't get upset with me. But if you look at if you look at the Bible, what would be an example? And I had so many examples before I even get back into this story. Can I just kind of preach a little bit and teach and just go back and forth? Good. I needed your uh, approval. None of you gave it to me, but I just took it anyway. You could look at a story like in the Old Testament. How about Joseph? Again, you don't even have to know who Joseph is. Joseph in the Old Testament. And you look at scenes of his story. Joseph starts out and he starts out in the pit. Right. His brothers who don't like him, he has this dream and I'm not going into the whole thing, but he winds up in a pit. One scene of his story. And then from the pit, he gets sold into slavery and he starts working for a guy named Potiphar. And Potiphar's wife, Hotifer, Hotifer hits on him, right? And she hits on him and he rebuffs her. A lot of you missed that. That was funny. I thought it was funny when I was right. And Potiphar's wife hits on him. He rebuffs her sexual advances, right? But then he gets put in prison. So he's in a pit. Then he's working in this guy's house. Then he gets put in a prison. But listen, those were only scenes to his story because his story will ultimately culminate one day with him being in the palace. And when he's in the palace, he's going to be the second in command of all of Egypt. But if you stop when he was in the pit, if you stop when he was in the prison, you would have missed what the whole story was about. You may have come in here today and you're at a scene in your life that you don't like. 
You're at a scene in your life that you would like to take out. You would like to crop it out. You would like to edit it out. I don't want to have this scene in my life, but I would say to you, the scene is only part of your story. And I think about the gospel. It's not Easter, but why not? I'm looking up at the cross right now. I'm sorry to break your precious moment bubble, but Jesus Christ didn't stay in a manger. I'm sorry. What was the movie? Talladega Nights. Ricky Bobby, when he prayed at the table, I prayed a baby Jesus, right? I'm sorry, Ricky Bobby, but the baby one day became a man. And when that man walked around, blind eyes could see and the mute people could talk. The lame could walk. That people that were deaf could hear. And he had authority. Not like the other teachers of the law. He had authority that came from above. It came from God. And one day, listen, there was a scene where they said they mocked him and they spat on him. And there was a mockery of a trial. And they put him on a cross. But that was only a scene. I'm not done with the scene yet. Because then they take him and they crucified him. And there was Satan, right, on Saturday. And he was all excited with all of his minions. And they were clapping and they were rejoicing because they thought they won. They thought it was the end of the story. But it was just a scene in the story. And they took his lifeless body and they took it off the cross. And they took it and they put it in a grave. And three days later, sorry, Satan, sorry, Lucifer, that was a scene. But ultimately, on the third day, Jesus Christ rose up out of the grave and he came alive and he was more alive than any human being has ever been alive. Is anybody with me here today on July, whatever it is, 30th, 2017? I know you're on summertime, but I'm on God's time. The sufferings of this present world are not worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed in us. No, no, some of you didn't hear me. The sufferings that you're going through right now of this present world are not worthy to be compared to the glory that will be revealed one day in our lives. One day it will be. And you're saying to yourself, you woke up today and you're depressed and you're despondent and you're dejected and you don't know how you're going to meet your bills. You don't know what's going on with your kids. You don't know what's going on with your job. I would say to you, suffering does something. It produces something in us. It'll produce character. It'll produce hope. And it's going to be a hope and a peace. And there's going to be a love that can be developed inside of us that the world can't give us. He knows what he's doing. He's the manufacturer. He knows exactly what he's doing. And I would say to us too today, you can't have a resurrection without a crucifixion. Stop running to try to get to the resurrection. There is a crucifixion and you may be in pain. You may be in turmoil today. I would say he is ultimately going to resurrect that thing or event, but it may not be in your time. And it usually isn't in your time. Whatever the scene is that you're going through. But understand, your story hasn't been completely told. If God is for us, friends, who can be against us? Why are we getting so wrapped up? We're so myopic. We only look at what we can see right in front of us. Understand, He knows what's going to happen later on in your story. Maybe a chapter you don't like right now in your story, but he knows ultimately where he's taking your story. And the problem sometimes with us is, you know what it is? We think we know all the, we, we, we think we know all the stories when it comes to the Bible, right? How many of us know? 
right? We read a story. I have to do it already. It's not David's series, but we think we know the story of David and Goliath. I'm going to rock your world when we get to David and Goliath. It's going to be two weeks. I'm going to be one. It's going to be two weeks. I can't do it all in one week. You want me to do it in one week? You want me to do it? in No, you want two weeks. All right. He's not going down until the second week. He's going to be on his feet. He's not going down. But we think we know the story. You know what happens? Where he takes the five smooth stones and he gets that slingshot and he takes the giant out. And then we're like, yeah, it's the end of the story. That's not the end of the story. There's so much more to his story. And you, as many of you know, you have to go back to the field, right? Where he takes out the lion and he takes out the bear and he's preparing for ultimately his destiny. And there he is that after Goliath is killed, what does he do? This is Braveheart. This is Gladiator. This is going to be PG-13. When I preach that series too, PG-13. It's not going to be PG. He takes Goliath's sword and chops off his head with his sword. Yeah! Can you really imagine what that scene was like? Here is this guy and he's like, yeah! Imagine all the Israelites and they're like going crazy, right? Can you imagine what that scene was like? There's a lot more. I'm, I'm just giving you an appetizer, right? Of what's going to happen. No, no, but I'm not done. Listen. And then what happens after that? That sword he gives to the priest, Goliath's sword that he used to chop off his head, that David used to chop off his head, he gave to a priest. Later on, years later in David's story, it relates, it connects back to that part of the story because David then is on the run from Saul. Oh, wait till we get to that. And he's running from Saul. And he finds this priest and he asks the priest, do you have anything? I need, I'm, I'm leaving out a lot of details, but right, that's for the series. And he says, he says, you have it. I need a sword. I need something. And the priest says, I have the sword that you used to kill Goliath. That which he used in his past came back to where he was into the future. It came back because he was faithful here and God used it. And God says, sometimes I will use what the enemy wants to do to harm you, what he's going to use to harm you. I'm going to use it so you can be delivered from your enemy. Oh, some of you didn't get that. That's all right. But there is so much more. So here, let's get, let's get back to this story, right? Because you want to hear more about this story. So here is the woman and what does she do? She talks to her husband. She's a woman of affluence, right? Because here she is. Now, she lived in a society, giving you the historical context. She lived in a society where the men were the ones that had the power, right? Unfortunately, that's the way it was. So she was marginalized to an extent, but she had influence and affluence because she has money. And how many other people, as I'm reading the text, I'm going, how many other people in Shunem knew the prophet was coming and they would have loved to have built another room on their house so the prophet could stay with them? So this woman has money and she goes to her husband and she says, I really think we should build another room on the house for the prophet whenever he comes in town. Because the prophet, when he came into town, listen, he didn't, he didn't want to go eat at Popeye's. He didn't want to go eat at McShunem's. He just wanted to come to the house of this woman because she made the best gluten-free meatloaf. Hey, woman, hey, woman, that's some pretty good meatloaf. Where's the meatloaf? Right? Some of you got that. So he, she makes this food and he's like, this is unbelievable. I want to come back. Here is a woman that has opened up her life to the man of God. She's opened up her life to the man of God. How many of us have really truly built a room for Christ to dwell in our lives? 
How many of us have said, listen, this is your abode. This is your house. Come and he came and went whenever he wanted. And in the New Testament, right, the spirit blows wherever it wants, wherever it will. You can't stop it. This is a woman that says, hey, listen, you come and go as you please. Here is a woman that is faithful. She, how come we don't talk more about the Shunammite woman? How come we don't talk more about her? We talk about Mary. We talk about Martha, right? We talk about Ruth. We talk about Esther, Deborah, all incredible. We should be talking more about the Shunammite woman. This is a woman that is persistent. She is tenacious. She is resourceful. She is an amazing woman. But why do we stop the story in our own lives? Pastor Linda just brought it up, and I, I was sitting there going, it really hit me. You know what I thought? I have something, okay? Here's what I have. We stop at salvation so often. The story stops at salvation. We become saved. We become Christians. And then we're like, all right, the story's over. Or people get baptized. Listen to me. You know, one of the hardest days, baptism Sunday is always hard for me. You know why it's hard? Because I look at people and I've been so crushed by people in the past that were there and they had great intentions, but we have an enemy that has come to steal, to kill, and destroy. And I want to say to you, if that's you and you've never jumped in the waters of baptism, you need to. And Naeem's going to talk about it. You want to talk to anyone? Listen, we're all available, but I'd love to talk to you about it. But listen to me. You're going to go into those people that are going to go in. There's going to come a time on that Sunday when your hair is going to dry. And there's going to come a time the next day on that Monday morning when you're going to go have, you have to go back to work. And you're going to have to go back to work after this amazing experience when you're on the top of the mountain. This is only the beginning when you become a Christian. The next step when you get water baptized. There is so much more. Jesus never talked about a life that you could experience one day down the road. He always said, no, the kingdom of heaven is here right now. And you can experience life right now. You don't have to wait. It's here. You just got to grab hold of it. You want it, it's here for you. You need power, it's here for you. You need healing in your body, it's here for you. You need peace, it's here for you. You need joy, it's here for you. That's what he says. That's what the gospel is. And, and Pastor Linda, here's what I thought of. To be continued. I want that line for baptism. You were up here and I said, to be continued. I think every person, I'm going to say that this year. You come out, this story is to be continued. This story is not going to stop. We are going to say that to be continued. We're going to remind each other, your story is still going on. It's to be continued. There are still chapters to be written. You don't stop right here. This is not the finish line. It's only the beginning. There's so much more. You know, Tony, you think about like a story like this. I don't have it, but just imagine, like, I'm going to do it on a piece of paper. Why not? Can I have a pen? I had a pen over here somewhere. Yeah, yeah, thank you. How about I do it on this? What do you think? This is, this is exciting. Didn't plan this, but let's just do it. Okay? Imagine this is a big circle. It's a bad circle. But imagine, like, you see this big circle right here, right? And then... You are, this is where you are, right? Right here. 
But then what if you draw another circle inside of that circle? You see, you're here and then you say, well, I was here. How did you get there? And then you draw another circle inside of that circle. How did you get there? And then you go inside. It's only when we look at the circles, it's only when we analyze them and we see where God has taken us, where we were, the ripples of our lives. Where were we and where did God take us in the process? Because God's moving us along everything, friends. And I, I always tell you, I'm, I'm just like, a, I should just be called the Romans 828 preacher. Everything happens for a reason. Everything happens for a reason. But we don't want to hear that. We don't want to hear that. It's so hard for us. So here is a woman that is stepping into a story. She has a nice big bank account. She's got a 2018 Range Rover. This woman has everything you could possibly want, but, but, but she has a barren womb. She may be beautiful, but she's barren. You may have a lot of money in your bank account, but you may be empty. You may have what the world says is important, but you may be empty. And some of you, you know people. You've met people, right? They think they have everything, but they're so dissatisfied. They're so upset. There's something they know that's missing in their lives. You can have it all, but miss it. And then the story goes on. Here we go in 11 and 12. And it happened one day that he came there and he turned into the upper, upper room and lay down there. So she's built this room, right? Then he said to Gehazi, Gehazi is his servant, right? His servant, call this Shunammite woman, call her. When he had called her, he, she stood before him. Now, what's so interesting here is, here is the woman who's thinking, how can I bless the man of God? And then here is the man of God who says, how can I bless this woman who has built a room and put it on her house? Her initiative met God's initiative because she thought she was just going to be blessing the man of God. But God said, hey, woman, Shunammite woman, I want to bless you. And she doesn't even know. She doesn't see it coming. And then you go to you go to look at her response. Look at this. This is great. And he said to him, say now to her. He doesn't he makes Gehazi. This is kind of weird. I don't have time to get into all this, but it's, it's wild that. He makes the servant talk to her. So call the, he, the servant, call her to me. But he doesn't address her. He has the servant Gehazi do it. Say now to her, look, you have been concerned for us with all this care. What can I do for you? Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? She answered, I dwell among my own people. So he said, what then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, actually, she has no son and her husband is old. You see, there's more to the story, friends, because this isn't where our story starts. Here, if you probably read this a thousand times, but you never thought of it. How many times did she try to get pregnant? How many times do you think this woman tried to get pregnant? I would say a lot. How many times did she go to Target and get a pregnancy test? How many times did this woman try and try and try and try to get, to get pregnant only to be disappointed time after time? And then what does the prophet do? The prophet says to her, I need you to get some blue paint. You need to go down to Target. She said, they don't even sell blue paint at Target. I don't know, woman. Go somewhere and get blue paint. 
What do you mean blue paint? These prophets are crazy. What do you mean go get blue paint? Do you not like the color of the paint in your room? Do you not like the green? Do you want me to make it blue? Woman, I'm not talking about the paint in my room. Next year at this time, you're going to have a baby boy. A little baby. Right? That's just going to happen. You're going to have a baby boy. She doesn't want to hear it though. Don't even start with me. You know how many times she was disappointed? And I know there are people in this place. You have been through that. You have lived through this. Where you have tried to get pregnant. You have tried and were unsuccessful. Unsuccessful. Well, here is a woman that has tried time and time again. He did some. God does something in her that she couldn't do for herself. So then here's the boy. Ready? Let's go on with the story. Here is this boy. She has this beautiful little boy. A lot of you don't, you want me done now. A lot of you, it's amazing. Like, I can feel it today. Today is one of the toughest atmospheres that I've had here in a long time. Oh, it is. That's all right. That's all right. It is. I'm just calling it like it is. I'm not done, though. I'm wait. I'm going to just, you wait, okay? And then the child grew. Now, it happened one day, he went out to his father, to the reapers. And he said to his father, my head, my head. So he said to his servant, Carry him to his mother. Isn't that what every father, right? Whenever there's a problem, like last night, Jameson was kind of, he wasn't really feeling too well. He doesn't call for daddy. He wants mommy. And then it got so bad, he slept in the bed with mommy and kicked daddy out of the bed. And daddy was down on the couch downstairs. And maybe I slept for three or four hours. But it's all good because he was with mommy and he was happy. Anyway, that's it. Carry him to his mother. When he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon, and then he died. (laughs) They brought her the child. The child dies in her lap. Sometimes the dreams that God gives us, that he births inside of us, sometimes they die. There was a book some years ago, Pastor Linda had many of the church read. She brought it, it was called Shattered Dreams. And I still, I still think of it all the time. And I'm at a different place in life. I read it like 20 years ago. But if I read it now, I'm sure it would mean something different. I'd get something different out of, out of it. But you get it from the, the title of the book. How many times has God given us something and then the dream is absolute? But God, you, you gave me, I didn't, you gave me this. This was the dream that you birthed inside. Why did you let me go there? Why did you let me have it if you were only going to take it away? With our finite minds, we think we can understand God. We think we can understand everything. We think we know. And then what does she do, friends? She goes back to the place where the promise was originally given. She takes the boy, and this is where the story gets, um, this is where I look at this woman and I'm in awe, right? I marvel at her. She takes the little boy back to the bedroom where the prophet would sleep when he came, right, into town. And then the woman, ready, ready, ready for this? Look at, look at this crazy woman. She's crazy. Then she saddled a donkey. This is like my sister like wants to be a Navy SEAL. This is something you would do, pal, right? Saddles a donkey, said to her servant, right? Doesn't, no, by the way, no mention of the man. No mention of the man. No mention of the husband. Where's the husband? I don't know. He's just like, whatever, dude. Like, the kid's like, he's gone. Whatever, right? That's kind of callous. But where is he? Where is the father in the story? He's not there. So here's the woman. She saddled the donkey and said to her servant, drive and go forward. Do not slacken the pace for me unless I tell you. And so she departed and went to the man of God at Mount Carmel. Do you remember when we went to Israel two years ago? We saw Mount Carmel, those people that were there. What, what do you remember about it? It wasn't very big, right? It wasn't very tall. But here's what I want you to notice. Here's what I want you to see, okay? There, 
can't go there. Here is a picture on a map, right? This is, Sh- yeah, yeah, you know where I'm going. This is Shunem right here. Crazy Shunemite lady on the camel, right? Going, there she goes. Now as the, what is it, the crow flies? You know that saying? It's, it's approximately 20 miles if you went in a straight line from Shunem to Mount Carmel, right? What's wild to me is you have to go through a place called the Jezreel Valley, and then she eventually would have had to ascend Mount Carmel. 20 miles on a camel to go there and get the prophet and tell him what has happened, and then she's going to bring the prophet back. What am I trying to tell you? Many scholars believe there's no way this woman did this all in one day. The little boy is dead in the bed for longer. I don't know if you read the story before, and you probably thought it happened a couple of hours later. Maybe you thought it was an hour later. Uh, 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 uh. The boy is dead. Rigor mortis has set in. But here is a woman. Husband, I don't care where you are. I need to go see the man of God. How many of us in our time of need are going to the throne and saying, listen, she's going to the man that gave her the dream and gave her the son. How many of us are coming boldly before the throne of God in our time of need? How many of us are going right now? How many of us when we leave, when something happens, how many of us are saying, whatever it takes, I'm going up there. I'm going to your throne and this is going to change in my life. This is going to change in my kid's life. This is going to change in my marriage. This is going to change in my job. I'm not waiting. I'm going boldly. I'm getting on my camel and I'm going. I don't care if it rains. I don't care if it snows. I don't care if there's an earthquake. I don't care if there's a tornado. Nothing is stopping me from getting where I need to go. Crazy lady. And then she goes, right? Look at this. Look at this. So it was when the man of God saw her afar off, right, Elisha, that he said to his servant Gehazi, Look, the Shunammite woman, please run now to meet her and say to her, Is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with the child? And she answered, It is well. What, what, do, you, what do you miss here? Right? I underline this because this is a cool story I'm going to tie in in a second. Is it well? She is pushing at, I don't want Gehazi, I don't want your servant, Mr. Prophet, I came to see you, the big boss, I came to see you, the man of God, that has made a big difference in my life, and you're the one that gave me this child, you got me into this mess, you're going to get me out of this mess, you got me into it, get me out of it, and she pushes him aside, right, it is well, this is what's, this is what's crazy to me, Many of you, I've shared this story before from the pulpit. It is well with my soul. Steve, you should probably play this at the end. If you have it, if not, no worries. We're just having this conversation in front of y'all. Okay? It is well with my soul. Horatio Spafford, and if you don't know the story, his whole family, his wife and kids, were on a boat. They're sailing, right, across the Atlantic. What happens? Storm, everyone, his, whole, his wife and all of his kids perished. What I didn't know about the story is... What gave him comfort and solace was this, in this story. The story I'm reading to you today when he read this story. Do you understand what he's saying? It is well with my soul. Do you understand what she is saying when she says it is well? She is not denying the fact that there is pain and hardship. Some Christians deny that there's real pain in the world. She's not saying whatever. It's okay. No, it's not okay. 
her son died. Horatio Spafford is not saying, it's okay, I lost my wife and, and kids. I'll just remarry and get my, make more kids. That's not what he's saying. He is saying, there's something that is unsinkable in my soul. No matter what life throws at me, I know it is well. Because I know there is a God who's on the throne, who knows everything and understands everything and is in control of everything. And one day, maybe I'll see, maybe I'll know one day, but I'm going to trust right now that it is well with my soul. You got nothing else out of the sermon today. Just that story alone. This guy is reading that and he sees that. That's amazing. Amazing. It is well with my soul. All right. So that was, what'd you think of the sermon? What'd you think of it? What? I'm done. That's it. I'm done. Scotty. Scotty's clapping it up in the back. Here we go. It's what, come on, listen, it's a good, listen, because what happens, right? what, you want more, what, there's more? All right, I guess there's more. You want more? Okay, okay, there's more. Here we go, here we go. All right, so then 30, I'm just making sure you're awake. Come on, just, you know, making sure you're with me. And he went up and lay on the child and put his mouth, so the prophet comes back, Elisha comes back, and put his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, his hands on his hands, and he stretched himself out on the child, and the flesh of the child became warm. He returned and walked back and forth in the house and again went up and stretched himself out on him. Then the child sneezed seven times and the child opened his eyes. If this what hallelujah is right, if this story was not true, why would they include the fact that the child sneezed seven times? They included the fact the child sneezed seven times because in fact, the child sneezed seven times. If you're going to tell a story and you're fabricating something, you're making something up, you don't include it. Who would, let's put in that the child sneezed seven times, right? Let's, the, the kid sneezed seven times. And how I wish I had more time to go into this, but I want you to, can I just give you something really quick? This really isn't part of my, like the main focal point. But when you look at what did he do? He laid on the child, put his mouth on his mouth, eyes on his eyes, hands on his hands, and he stretched himself out on the child. Do you understand what he was doing from heaven's perspective? He, heaven could not see the child. What they saw was that the child was in Elijah. Do you see this? This is deep, but you got to stay with me because I thought of that as I'm reading this. And I said, huh, that's kind of interesting because when I look in the New Testament and I think about Jesus and I think about us, you see, there came a day when God said, what am I going to do? What am I going to do after the garden? I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to send myself. I'm going to send my son into the world. And when Jesus was on that cross, he didn't see us. Jesus was hanging on that cross and we were in him and he took everything on. He said, I'll stop it. I'll protect everything. It's like when you're in war and there's a landmine or there's a grenade. Wait with me. There's a grenade. You have two choices. One is you can get out. You can get out of the, 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 uh, what, the trench. Or you can dive on the grenade and save everyone else's life. Do you understand what God said? God said, I'm going to dive on the grenade so that you can live. Do you see that? I'm going to take the shrapnel, not you. It all. There's more to it, but ah. So it's a great story. This is really the end, right? Because it's a great story. Because you see, things that are dead, sometimes things that are barren, God brings them back to life, right? Isn't that cool? Things that are barren, God brings, and in one word, one word from the mouth of God can make something come alive again. All right, you ready? All right, let's go to the table. Story's not over. Steve, don't come up here yet. What, I told you the title of my sermon. You should know by now. There's more to the story. 
Do you want to see the best part of the story? No, I need a resounding yes. The best part of the story is her story. How many of you know? I'm looking at a lot of your faces. Many of you didn't know her story doesn't end until 2 Kings chapter 8. Don't worry. My second part of this is not very long. Some of you are going, are you going to preach another whole, like half? No, no, no. But the second part of the story in 2 Kings chapter 8, you can't understand the beginning. You have to see the rest of the story. Can we go there now? Oh, this is, I couldn't wait to do that to you all week. I couldn't wait for that. I'm only going to read you six verses, but here it is. All right. So in second Kings eight chapter uh, verse one, I see, I hear pages. I love it. Turning. Then Elisha spoke to the woman whose son he had restored to life saying, arise and go you and your household and stay wherever you can for the Lord has called for a famine. And furthermore, it will come upon the land for seven years. So the woman arose and did according to the saying of the man of God. And she went with her household and dwelt in the land of the Philistines for seven years. There's a famine, right? There's a famine. The man of God says, you can't stay here. You've been faithful. I'm going to take care of you. So God, in essence, is telling her, you got to go on the move. You got to go live with the Philistines. How's that? Good luck with that. But that's where she has to go. All right, so she goes. It came to pass at the end of the seven years that the woman returned from the land of the Philistines. She went to make an appeal to the king for her house and for her land. What does this mean? Her house, when she was away for seven years, was confiscated. She wasn't there. The government said, your land is now my land. We own it, right? They took it. Then the king talked with Gehazi, the servant of the man of God, saying, tell me, please, all the great things Elisha has done. Really? Now it happened as he was telling the king how he had restored the dead to life, that there was the woman whose son he had restored to life, appealing to the king for her house and for her land. And Gehazi said, my Lord, O king, this is the woman. This is her son whom Elijah restored to life. And when the king asked the woman, she told him. So the king appointed a certain officer for her saying, restore all that was hers and all the proceeds of the field from the day that she left the land until now. What? I told you I was going to get, you thought it was going to be like whatever sermon. This is a great sermon. I'm not sure because there's a story. It's hard. It's hard to mess this sermon up. It's hard to mess it up. Not me. It's it's hard for anybody to come up here and preach this if you know the whole story and you just connect this like this because this is amazing. Here is this woman. And let me, can I say this too? First of all, when you look at God, the same God that can make it rain in our lives sometimes will make us live through famines. Steve, you know what I'm talking about? Joanne, you know what I'm talking about? Right? Jamal, you know what I'm talking about? Sometimes we can live through famines. With me? John, you with me? Sometimes we can go through famines. The same God that can make it rain. And why sometimes do we live through famines? Why do we go through famines? To make us stronger. To make us stronger so that we can actually bear the burden. We just want the blessing. We want the rain. Make it rain, Lord. Make it rain. But no, God says sometimes there's going to be a famine in your life. Sometimes it's going to happen. So here they are. Can we just kind of play it out? I read you the text, but can you see it like enacting it out? Here is this man, Gehazi, the servant of Elisha. And he just happens to be. Isn't isn't God so good at his job? Do you ever think about that? How God, how good he is at his job. Here is this guy that just happens to be there. And the king says, tell me some great stories about Elisha. And I'm telling you this story today too, because if the woman's child never died, she has no story to tell. Listen to me from my own life. I'm telling you, listen, there are scenes in life that you wanted to lead out. There are scenes that you don't want to be any part of. 
God, I don't want this scene anymore. Get rid of it. I don't want it anymore. Take it out of my life. But I look at this woman's story and it helps me. It inspires me. Because I say to myself, if she had to live through a story like that, a scene like that, I should say, in her story, that means that we're going to have to live through some pretty tough scenes in our lives. In order for the tapestry to look beautiful, at first sometimes it looks messy. At first sometimes you don't know what's going on. That's the way life is. This is the one scene she would have said, if I could take anything out, give me the eraser. I'm taking this out that my son dies. If her son never dies, do you think Gehazi is there before the king talking about a baby that was born? There were tons of babies that were born, but there weren't many babies that died. The kid died and there he is, right? There's Gehazi. And he's like, oh my gosh. King, it's the woman. That's the woman I'm telling you about. And the king's like, are you sure? I know it. I saw her seven years ago. I would never mistake that woman. That's the woman. And guess what? In case the king didn't believe the prophet or didn't believe the woman, guess what? Her miracle walked into the room with her as proof of what God had done in her life. I told you this is such a good story. Her past collides with her future. What happened? And there it is. Here it is. Here's, what, here's the picture I want to give you. Here's the picture I want to give you. You know what I thought of? A boomerang. A boomerang. Because follow this now. I was thinking about it and I read the instructions. I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to fling this. I'm going to fling this thing. And this pop, Scott, don't worry. I'm not going to throw it. But Scott's like, Scott's like, dude, you're crazy. I, I can see you doing it. Luke, if I throw it at you, will you catch it? No, I'm not throwing it in church. Pastor Linda will get really mad at me. But I was thinking about it, and I read the directions. You need like 70 yards. We don't have 70 yards. And I thought about if I go over there, and I swing it that way, and I'm like, they're like, everyone's like, whoa. <laughs> Can't do it. But follow me. Follow me. Just like if I did what happened in 2 Kings chapter 4, right? Going around comes back. It's the boomerang effect. I didn't know what to title the sermon. I was thinking about it. I said, should I title it the boomerang effect? I don't know, John. I just, I came up with what's the story because there's always more to the story. But what happened in second Kings chapter four, boomerang back. What she did in her past came all the way back into her future and set her up forever. And not only that, but you better understand that the King said, I'm not only going to give you what you lost. I'm going to give it back with interest. And everything the enemy has tried to steal from you, God says to you today, I'm going to give it back with interest. Whatever you lost, I'm giving back with interest. Let me talk. Now, friends, we have, we have a choice. We have a choice as a church. Yeah, yeah, play a little. I like good, good, good. I like that. Because we have a choice as a church. Pastor Linda, you kind of alluded to this before. We have a story to tell. City on a hill, community church, we have a story to tell. She had a story to tell. We have a story to tell. Can I talk to some of you young people? Are you going to pick up the baton? Are you going to pick it up? Are you going to pick up the baton and carry it forward? this story or does it just end with us does it end with them you don't we need to know the whole story that church building down the road that we were at it was started by a few couples 
40 years ago. They didn't know what they were doing. I remember as a kid, we would go in there and it was like Sunday. They had what they have a daycare and it was a train wreck. It was a mess because there was stuff on the wall, but we didn't, it didn't matter. And people would get up and they would worship. And I'm thinking of people through the years. I'm thinking of you. I'm thinking of people how faithful they were because they kept the story going. I'm thinking of people like you. I'm thinking of people like Cliff. I'm thinking of people like you. I'm thinking of people like you. You kept the story going. Do you understand? It's time for us to take the story. Not just James Lecce. Not just John Lecce. Not Naeem Walcott. Not Jamal Walcott. Not everybody in here. It's time for all of us to take the story and move it forward. There's a story to tell. Do you understand that? Will, listen to me. Will you own the story? Will you own the story? Talking to the young people. Will you own the story? Where are the kids? I want the kids. Bring the kids in. Will they own this story? Will the kids own the Bring them in. I want the kids in. And some of you are going, I don't know, maybe I'm new to this church. We believe in this church that everybody supplies, every joint supplies in this place. I don't want to be, you, listen, you're not going to hear me speak every single, I didn't speak the last three weeks. You have to hear, listen, Nayim killed it, knocked it out of the ballpark. My uncle knocked it out of the ball. Ted knocked it out of the ballpark. People are getting up here speaking, right? They're doing stuff. This doesn't fall on my shoulders. It's our job to carry this forward. It's your job to help out. And the problem is, you've watched, he, I said to Pastor, oh man, Pastor, I'm going to get in trouble here. But I, you know what I'm so mad at? I'm so sick of churches that like live stream their services. That's not church. And so many people just sit home and say, I'll just worship at home. The body, the, 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 the first apostles, Paul did, um, by the way, I'm giving you my other message. You know what next week is? I gave you a series on Jacob. I'm giving you a series on David. I'm going to talk about something about Paul's life that you probably never looked at before. That's kind of neat. Kind of his, his weakness, his glitch, and it's not just his thorn in the flesh. Something kind of cool, a twist on that. We're going to do that next week. Why was I saying that? I don't know. Why did I say that? Where are the kids? Hey, kids, come here. I want you to line up up here. I want the kids. I need them. I want them all. I want them all. I want everyone to see this. Everyone has to see this. Come here, kids. Just come here. Come here. Come here. I feel like God's saying, you need, you need to come in. Come on. Come on. Come on. High five. High five. Yeah, yeah. What do you got? What are you making in there today? What was the lesson today? We're making blood. Making blood. Oh. I may have picked the wrong week to bring all the kids from Kidmo into... Keep letting them make blood. Go back. Go make blood. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. It's okay. Hey, yeah, you know what? Um, Johnny, Jack, come here. Come here. By the way, I heard you at the wedding. You killed it. You knocked it out of the park. Come here. Wait, wait. I'm not done. Come here. Can you tell me what this is about? It's about when, when, when you tell some lies and, 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 then, and then when you feel sorry, you have to play Jesus and he always forgives you. <laughs> Those kids are getting the story in there. VBS, two weeks. You're going to give them the story. Yeah, yeah, just call it, whatever. Just bring them out. What? No, bring them out. Come on, bring them out. Come on. Let's go. Come on. I know, we've never done this before. Come on, come out. We're done. Ushers, get ready. We're going to... I know you want to leave. I know you want to leave. It's okay. You can wait two more seconds. You can wait two more seconds.
By the way, that's not normal, brother. By the way, that's not normal, sister. That's not normal. What you just saw. God's got his hand on that kid's life. God's got his hand on every one of your lives. But listen, I'm bringing you out here today because I want you to tell you, I want to tell you something as one of your pastors in the church, right? That the story of this church and everything that you see here is not going to end with us. You're going to take the story and you're going to move ahead with the story. And some of you are going to be in this church and you're going to preach and you're going to talk about the great things that God has done. And you're going to talk about the great things that God is going to do. Right? You can go to your seats. Oh, do you need them back? Mel, you need them back? We're doing the table now. You want them back? You want the blood back or no? Yeah, you can go back now. Thank you. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, this is the kind of stuff that you'll never forget. The stuff that you do in there. And those, listen to me. Don't you ever take for granted those teachers and all the time they put in and all the lessons that they make up. Right? All right. I'm telling you, listen. Sow seeds now, parents. I got a message for you on Labor Day for before the kids go back to school. It's going to be a little entertaining, but I'm going to nail you at the end. Um, try to. Uh, listen, it'll boomerang back. So in your kids' lives now, it'll boomerang all the way back when they're older. Train them up in the way that they're supposed to go when they're older. They're not going to depart from it. They're not going to forget. They're going to remember. I don't listen. I'm, I'm a product of that. I grew up in the, you don't. I grew up in the church. I was a pastor's kid. I always say it. Least likely human being in this whole place to be doing what I'm doing is me, right? I say it all the time. I always look around. I'm like, right, Steve? I tortured this man when he ran the youth. Steve, did I torture you when you ran the youth? A lot of it. A lot. Parents, you remain faithful and you trust God. There's a big God up there, right? Stop looking at your problems saying how big your problems are. Look at your problems and say, you don't know how big my God is. Lord, Lord, I thank you for the story of the Shunammite woman. Lord, I want to be tenacious like her. I want to be persistent. Lord, I want to know you the way she knew you. Father, may it be in this place. Father, may we sow good seed in this place, in our lives. You know, I'm praying, but I'm even... Pastor Joe, you did the offering today, and I'm just thinking too. You You put a check in the offering today, you're not just putting a check in, you're telling a story. You're telling a story with your life, with your finances. You're telling a story about what's true and what's important. Telling a story. We're telling a story, friends. Telling a story. I love it. If you look at life that way, I got to stop. I know, I got to stop. But if you look at life, you got to look at the stories we tell ourselves about ourselves. Does that make any sense? The stories that are happening, it's our view of those stories. How we see ourselves in those stories. How we see God in those stories promise I'll stop. Ushers, please come forward. I love this church. I love this church. I love my parents for laying their lives down for this place and all the other couples, you laid your lives down for this place so that we could have something to build on. I keep saying it to you because I know God's spirit's going to move and the best is yet to come. You want to be, when you get, there's an opportunity, you want to be on the ground floor, still kind of, there's time to invest.
Because sooner, you know, down the road, a couple of years, you're going to go, man, I wish I invested in that place. I wish I invested in what they're doing and what God's doing. Thanks for listening to City on a Hill's podcast. For more resources, visit us at chccny.com.